But I'd like to start out today with an exercise. I want you to relax. We all had a hard week and go on strong. I just want you to, don't go to sleep, but just relax. Just, just kind of lean back. Close your eyes. You know, try some deep breathing. Yeah, that feels good. Now, I want you to think about one thing here, okay? I want you to think about the most difficult, stressful issue you've got going on in your life right now. That seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? <laughs> I tell you to relax. <laughs> but just, just listen to me, okay? Just think about it. You know what it is. It's right there in front of your face. Marriage, kids, money, job, health. What is the one issue that is really just puzzling you right now? Because you're thinking, hey, God, you know, I, I'm seeking to honor you. I'm seeking to glorify you. Uh, I have fruit in my life. Uh, I'm loving other people. I'm serving other people. And it, it just doesn't seem fair that I should be going through this right now. And I really don't know if you have my best interests in mind. Now keep your eyes closed. I want you to listen uh, to uh, the statement. Now listen closely. This is God's wisdom. God brings about the best possible ends by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. Now, just keep your eyes closed and think about that, okay? i read it again. God brings about the best possible ends by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. Now, now just think to yourself, okay, would you like that problem to be removed from your life? You'd probably say yes, but here's a critical question. Is it the wise thing to have that problem removed from your life? Because remember, God is sovereign, God is in control. God allowed that problem into your life. Not sure what the reason is, but He allowed it in your life. So, would it be the wisest thing to say, God, please get rid of it? No, probably not, huh? Because God has got a plan for your life and He's doing things in a certain way just for you in order that you might glorify Him. That's why we're here on earth, to glorify Him. Not to have a good time, but to glorify Him. And He is molding you to be more like Jesus Christ. And through this experience that you're going through, uh, you are hopefully responding in the right way by trusting in God. All right, you can open up uh, your eyes. Friends, that is the essence of the wisdom of God. It's the fact that God is all wise, and as He has a plan for each of our lives, if we really can trust and rest in that plan, even though it might be a difficult plan, can we really trust and rest in Him 
knowing that he has our best interests in mind for our eternal happiness. Now that's something really to think about, isn't it? I've been thinking about it all myself. I, I always try to, you know, I'm start comparing myself to people. No, wait a second, Dan. It's God's plan for Dan. God's got plans for other people, and I look at them, oh, I wish I had that plan, or I wish I had that plan. You know, no, 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 no. God designed a plan for me. And yeah, it's challenging sometimes, it's difficult, but he's using it in order that he might be glorified. And again, the world, we're going to talk about man's wisdom and God's wisdom today. And man's wisdom is all about happiness and pleasure, right? Get as much as you can because you only got so many years on this earth and then it's over. But God's wisdom says, this is just the beginning. This is just a test before the real party starts. And that's going to be in heaven. And so what you have to do, you have to trust in God, even though it's painful, even though you're suffering. That that is God's will for your life. And, and, and you're, it doesn't mean the suffering goes away. It just means that you accept it as God's will for your life at this time. And then you... Walk through it with him. You let him comfort you, encourage you, challenge you. Uh, you know, help you, help you to uh, again bear with it. Now, here is God's promise. It's from different passages and scriptures. A quote from A.W. Tozer: God has charged Himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness, and He stands ready to take over the management of our lives. The moment we turn in faith to Him. So, here's the question is, are we going to trust God for our eternal happiness? Now, hey, you know, in heaven, that is going to be true joy. And down here, maybe not as much, right? Because we live in a sinful world. But for our eternal happiness. And He stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn in faith to him. It's the old illustration about who's driving the car, right? It's the issue of lordship. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Have you given the keys over to Jesus and he's in the driver's seat driving? And you're sitting there with him and you know, going through life. Are you still, even though you become a Christ follower and you have received that free gift of salvation, still Jesus is in the you know, next to you or he's in the trunk or Wherever it might be, you know. But yeah, you're doing your own thing. Okay? Well, when you trust in the wisdom of God, you give Jesus the keys. Every time you trust God, every time you uh, go out on a limb, in a sense, because you're obeying Scripture, you're giving Jesus the keys to your car. You're saying, I trust you, even though everybody tells me not to trust you. I am going to trust you. And that's what we're going to be focusing on. Uh, this morning as we talk about the wisdom of God. So again, the definition, God brings about the best possible ends by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. When you think about this, you think about the sovereignty of God. I mean, you've got billions of people, and, and that's what he is doing. He doesn't even have to work hard at it because he's God, as we have learned. So therefore, the things that are happening in your life and my life have been 
purposed or decreed or they've been allowed for a particular reason. And then he interconnects everybody and all these different types of relationships. And we just view it all as chaos. It's not chaos. God's in control. God is sovereign. And I would encourage you, uh, if you haven't heard some of my other messages, that you go online and you know, why is there evil in the world and all those type of questions. Uh, we try to address those. But uh, it's, it's a mystery to a great degree. The Webster's Dictionary with, uh, de- definition of wisdom, it's the quality of being wise, it's the power of judging rightly, it's following the, following the soundest course of action based on knowledge, experience, and understanding. Now there's a key difference between knowledge and wisdom. Even though when we think about the attributes of God, usually the wisdom of God is not usually listed. It's part of omniscience, that he knows all things. That's what we talked about in the first message of the series. But he's now talking about, or we're not talking about his wisdom, which is related to his knowledge, but they are different. A person can have a whole lot of knowledge, but very little wisdom. And unfortunately, uh, generally in the American church, we've got a lot of fat Christians. We've got Christians that know the Bible backwards, and forwards, but they're not applying it a lot to their lives. Their lives kind of look like everybody else's lives. So they're not using wisdom to live for God or live under His Lordship. So what we want to do is we're going to take that knowledge and with understanding and experience and the Holy Spirit, apply it to our lives so it really will make a difference. In fact, when we think about this whole idea of knowledge, and wisdom, it reminds me of something very funny that happened uh, this past week. <laughs> when my wife told me, I just about died. All right, so she's out there you know, driving our green minivan. She takes a, a right off of Miller Road going north on Randall Road. And what she doesn't realize at first is that the door was kind of open. And so she takes the right, the door swings open and locks. All right, so she's driving north, and there's no shoulder there, so she waits, okay, well, I'll wait till I get to the shoulder of the light and shut the door. Well, then a police car comes up uh, behind her. So, first time she sees the shoulder, she pulls off. The police officer pulls off, and the police officer gets out, and uh, he comes up to her, and he said, are you aware that your sliding door is open? And she said, yeah, I am. I was waiting for a, a shoulder to pull off on. Well, you're on a shoulder now. <laughs> so he went around and and shut the door. Then he came back, you know, driver's registration, all that kind of thing. And then he says, do you smell pot or marijuana in here? <laughs> you got to know my wife. That's really funny. <laughs> do you smell pot or marijuana in here? And my wife goes, well, I smelled a skunk when I pulled up uh, from the prairie here. I'm sure that's probably what you're smelling. No, no, this is... This is, smells like marijuana. Um, does anybody in your family, you know, use marijuana? He said, no. And he said, well, could I check the vehicle? Oh, sure. Yeah. It's kind of funny, our side door sticks. So <laughs> he finally got it open. And there you have right in front of him, Kid City at Springbrook Community <laughs> Church. A yeah. couple different sides, all right, going back. And... Uh, so I don't know, I think he just looked, and then he shut the door again. 
And he said to her, do you smoke marijuana? <laughs> she said, no, I'm a pastor's wife. I don't, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't do any of that stuff. And uh, he said, well, you'd be surprised about pastors and their wives. <laughs> and uh, he says, okay, I believe you. That's just choice. I'll remember that forever. Uh, now, again, he was doing his job, but I don't know. It just seems at some point, you got, what do we got, all these women, you know, in minivans smoking pot, taking their kids to school? I, I don't know. I don't understand that. <laughs> so, you know, my take on it would be he had a lot of knowledge, but he was maybe lack of wisdom or discernment in terms of what was happening in that particular uh, situation, but I appreciate that he is uh, protecting us. Let's look at a verse that is so rich on God's wisdom, uh, Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth! I got to get that word down. The depth. We're talking really deep. We're not like talking about a six-foot hole. We're talking about maybe like an internal hole that goes down, 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 and down. The other side of the earth, and on and on and on. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Hmm, think about that for a moment. Think about that wisdom and that knowledge that he has. How unsearchable are his judgments. When I ever see the word search, I think I Google. <laughs> Don't you like to play around with Google and see what different things come up and play with different words? It's amazing the information you get. Um, and you, you think about it and you think, boy, Google is unsearchable, right? I mean, if you spent the rest of your life taking every combination of words, but it is searchable. Maybe if you got it several hundred years, I don't know. <laughs> you will come to the end of Google searches, all right? But you can never come to the end of God's knowledge. It's unsearchable. Then it goes on to say, inscrutable, which means impossible to understand. We cannot understand God's knowledge. And when I reflect upon that, I think it's kind of silly, but I do it myself, is when we say, why me? Right? Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening in my life? Really what we're doing is we're second-guessing God. Now, how arrogant is that? Now, again, I, I think it's a good, healthy, emotional process to go through when you're going through pain is why me? God wants to hear that. But the bottom line, how arrogant is it for us to be a Monday morning quarterback on God? Say, God, I really... I think you messed up on that one. You know, it'd been better if this person was here or that happened to that person. Uh, yeah, we, we're his creatures, right? As we talked about before, and therefore, he's he's always right. He's always right, even though we don't think it. And it might take a while for us uh, to accept it. Uh, let me tell you a story. Uh, it was in Chip Ingram's uh, book, and what you have is you have. Uh, uh, a house on a hill with 
a uh, guy who works for the railroad. And what he does is he switches the tracks. So you have the track uh, coming uh, one direction, and then he switches the track based upon how he's instructed, whether it's going to go north or it's going to go south. And that's his job, to maintain that area and to make the switch when necessary. So he has a little son along with his wife, and this little son is out there playing, and he's across the tracks, and all of a sudden the son wants to come see his daddy, and he loves to see the switching going on, so he's running across the tracks, and his foot gets caught in the railroad tracks. Okay. And the father looks down, and he sees a train coming about 1,500 feet. Now what's he going to do? Is he going to go down there and save his son? Or is he going to let his son be killed? Because you got one life and you got 500 lives, right? So what is the wise thing to do? Think about that for a second. Now, you've probably heard that before, and usually it's an illustration about salvation. The fact that Jesus Christ laid down his son to die in order that we might live. But notice I didn't say what was the most moral or sacrificial thing to do. I said what was the most wise thing to do. Because what if this little child was the next Billy Graham? The next Billy Graham. He's he's going to lead millions and millions of people to Jesus Christ. I mean, then you could say, well, then let's save the kid. (laughs) Okay? Because you've got 500 people here, but then you have millions and millions coming to Christ. Or let's say that this son is going to have uh, have the intellect and the gifts to be able to come up for a cure for AIDS or Alzheimer's or you think of all the other diseases that are out there, yeah, well, let's save the kid. But then again, what if that kid's on the train, (laughs) right? What if he's the one who is going to be the next Billy Graham, or he's the one who's going to come up with these cures uh, for these diseases? You see how complicated it gets when you have to make a decision like that? Because you don't have all the knowledge. Who is the only one who can make that kind of decision? God, because He knows everything, right? He is omniscient, and He can make the right call. And that's so important for us to realize. Uh, As I was uh, studying and reflecting upon this, I just was thinking, wow, billions of people, and they're all interacting together, and, and God's got a plan for every person. And you watch the news, and it looks like chaos is going on. But God's in control. He knew this was going to happen before the foundations of the world. Um, let's look at how we can access this wisdom. James 1.5. James 1.5. Uh, this is a, the classic passage on wisdom. Uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, how many of you out there would like some more wisdom today? Anybody want some wisdom? I hope you do. Because <laughs> if, if you're not even aware that you need wisdom, then you've got a problem. All right. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, man. I need it. I need a lot of it. Let him ask God. Now, you go online and you see all the self-help books and you see a lot of different resources and you see a lot of different programs. Again, those are okay. But the first place you do is you go to God, right? Because he's the one who's going to give you the wisdom. And that's, we just need to keep that in mind every day. Pray first. Pray first. I got a, uh, something on my desk that says pray first. Usually, it takes us a while. We think a problem comes into our life and we go, oh, no. And, you know, we think about all types of scenarios and things of that nature. When every time a problem comes into our life and we need wisdom, boom, you stop. Do it as a family. Teach your kids. As soon as a new problem comes into your life, and they'll be coming, just stop and pray with the family. Stop and pray with your wife. Stop and pray and say, Lord, give us wisdom. Now, it's not like you know, you're going to get a text from God, here's the five things you need to do. No, but it's going to be a process of him showing you wisdom. Maybe over a lifetime, if you're dealing like with a chronic illness, okay? Yeah. How to deal with it. How to cope. And, and, and so you keep asking for wisdom, and he gives you wisdom and encouragement and love, and he brings people into your life, other Christ followers who can encourage you. might bring psychologists or psychiatrists. I bring medical doctors. All kinds of people. But, but he, again, is, again, orchestrated it all because you've asked for wisdom and you continue to ask for wisdom. Who gives generously to all without reproach. Don't you love that? Oh, that is so cool. He gives generously, right? Don't you like when you go to a restaurant where they have generous portions and you can't even finish it? That's not me often, but... uh, you can't even finish it. It's so generous. And you say, wow, we are coming back here. We are coming. Not Noodles and Company. Not Noodles and Company. No. They do not give generous portions. I think I've talked about that before. So I don't like to go there. They're not generous. Okay? But uh, generous portions. I mean, so it's not like God will give you some wisdom. Well, that's nice. But He'll give it to you generously. You need some more? Oh, come on back. I'll give you some more. I'll give you more than you need. Wow, that's encouraging. <laughs> yeah, he gives generously to all without reproach. Now, that, oh, there's another great thing about his wisdom. Let's say that you've been walking away from God, walking away from the church, walking away from Jesus and Like the prodigal son, you finally get it. The Holy Spirit hits you over the head with a two-by-four. And he says, get your head, get get your mind in gear. You're in rebellion toward God. And so you go back to God. And you say, God, could you give me some wisdom? I really have messed my life up. There are so many different areas that, you know, I'm concerned about. And God says, what? What? Where have you been for the last 10 years? I haven't seen you personally coming to me in prayer. I haven't seen you depending upon me. I haven't seen you showing any interest in me at all. In fact, you've been rebelling against me. You've been spitting in my face. So you figure it out. 
Yeah, no, you're right. Exactly. He doesn't say that. Or he doesn't say, well, let's just give it some time here. I'll give you a little bit of wisdom every day. I'm not going to generously give it to you because look what you've done to me, you know. Yeah, just a little bit of wisdom. That's good enough for you. In the midst of our rebellion and our sin, no matter how far it goes, doesn't matter how far it goes, when you come back to God. Now, there's consequences to our sin. God will help us through those. But uh, from day one, when you repent from your sin, He's going to give you wisdom generously. Isn't that good? <laughs> Amen. Come on. Let's, let's thank the Lord for that. Wow. Generous wisdom. And it will be given him. You can count on it. That's a promise from God. I don't know what you're working through right now. I don't know what burden you have in your life. Maybe it's a chronic thing that never seems to go away. But you can go to God every day and ask for wisdom for that situation. So that you can bear it. So that you can live through the day and get through the day. As he wants to help you generously. Generously. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All right. So this is how we're to approach life as Christ followers. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now, here's the, the key thing. All right? Every day, we have a choice to follow man's wisdom or God's wisdom. Man's wisdom or God's wisdom. What man says the best way to do life is or what God says the best way to do life is. So we're, we're to look carefully and walk towards God's wisdom instead of walking toward man's wisdom. Making the best use of a time. Because this life is short, isn't it? Oh, man. I was just talking to somebody who was, their daughter was celebrating their 16th birthday. And he said, it goes by so fast. And I say that again. <laughs> and uh, because the days are evil. Amen to that. They, they've always been evil. I mean, you go back to the Roman Empire, I mean, that, oh. People say, I'd like to be a part of a uh, New Testament church. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> they, were, they were all messed up big time. They had a lot of problems. You just read the letters of the New Testament. You know, and they were living in really evil societies where America might be when I was in 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. So, uh, yeah, the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We don't use that word foolish much anymore, do we? Therefore, do not be foolish. What is a fool? A fool is one who embraces man's wisdom, especially as a Christ follower. That makes you a big fool because you know the truth. You know what God wants you to do. You know the right way to go, but you continue to pursue man's way. That is foolish. And a person who continues in a pattern of disobeying God, saying, I'm going my way, I'm, I'm in the driver's seat, you can officially call a fool. 
I wouldn't suggest it. But, <laughs> but there are fools that we all know. Anybody know a fool? Come on. Yeah, we know a lot of fools, right? Yeah, again. <laughs> He's listening her hand up. Like, you're the fool? or <laughs> We know a lot of fools out there. And I don't say that in a judgmental way at all because I once was a fool and I continue to be foolish. Hopefully I, I won't be defined as a fool because I'm not walking away from God. I'm not rebelling against Him. So don't be foolish. Let's not be afraid in our minds to call people fools. Not in a judgmental way, but to say that's foolishness. And what do you want to do with somebody who's foolish? Well, it's like your kids, right? They're awfully foolish sometimes, right? Daily foolishness is exhibited by your children, all right? But you help them, you guide them, you encourage them, right? You don't get down on them. You want to help your kids. So again, I wanted to find that word because it's not used very much, but it's, it's true. Uh, and I pray every day that I'd be less foolish than I was the day before. But understand what the will of the Lord is. That means when you go towards man's wisdom and live life by man's standards, you're being foolish. But if you're pursuing God's standards, of course, uh, you are pleasing uh, the Lord. Now, Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that's where it starts. This is, I was talking with somebody after the service and they were just really loving the Chip Ingram study and what we're doing here on Sunday mornings, just going along with that. And, and it's really true. There's nothing more rich than study uh, the attributes of God because you really realize how big He is. And as I've said before, we tend to be so man-centric. And if we're man-centric, we just say, what, what can I get out of God to improve my life? But if we're God-centric, we can say, God, I'm yours. Do whatever you want with me. Okay? So the fear of the Lord. Now, does that actually mean fear? Yes, that actually means fear. <laughs> okay? Everybody tries to kind of play that down. Well, you know, you don't have to be scared of them. Yeah, you should be a little scared of them. <laughs> Remember we talked about the intimate relationship with God? You know, the friend, you can probably wraps his arms around you, Jesus, all that. That's good. But also there's the transcendent relationship uh, with God. And that's where the fear comes in. We have to have a healthy respect for God. I mean, he, again, he's condemning people because of their sin, and we were given grace, but still, he is God. He is our creator. He is in charge. And I tell you what, the way some people uh, live their lives, even Christ followers, they don't fear God at all. They just think, oh, what's the big deal? You know, what's the big deal? I'm saved by grace. I'll just go on a merry way. Well, that's why, that's where it all begins. When we start to respect God, as we're doing through this series, learning how to do that, He becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. What happens to us? It becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And you say, I don't think I should argue with God. <laughs> Maybe I should do what he says. <laughs> you see, when you get the right view of God, then you know how to approach life. Well, fools, they despise wisdom and instruction. We look at uh, verse 6 of uh, James 1. But let him 
Ask in faith with no doubting. So we talked about if any of you lacks wisdom, let them ask God. But now there's a condition on it. You've got to act in faith, which means you've got to do something you normally wouldn't do. It doesn't need much faith to, I don't know, just go and pick up your kids. There's not much danger in that. But when, when you, you express faith, that means that it's something that you normally don't do, you don't feel comfortable with, you're stretching, you're, you're trusting in God. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea as it is tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, what you have is, you have uh, this double-minded person. Okay, now God says, if you want my wisdom, you've got to put faith in the fact that it is the true true way to go, and you're going to follow it no matter what. But what we tend to do is we keep one foot in man's wisdom and one foot in God's wisdom, and we just kind of sway back and forth based on the day, based on our mood and that kind of thing, and that's a double-minded man. And God says if you're waving back and forth, if you're straddling the fence, don't expect any wisdom from me. Because you've got to believe that I am telling you the truth. And you are pushing forward. Now, of course, we're going to sin. We're going to fall back. But he's basically saying, hey, if you want wisdom from me, you need to receive it and you need to act on it, even if it doesn't make any sense. And let's, let's just get something out of the table here, okay? Let's face it. God's wisdom is counterintuitive, isn't it? So many times we see in Scripture, it doesn't make any sense according to what the world says. And that's why we struggle so much. But we've got to ask God for the faith in order to embrace that. Uh, Again, verse 7, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I just encourage you guys, I encourage myself in our daily living, uh, in many areas, we can be unstable. You know, we can be doing real well in these areas, but we're still riding the fence. And we think we're riding the fence, but we're actually in the world. <laughs> so we've got to continue to ask the Holy Spirit to point out to us, okay, God, you know, where am I not fully trusting in you uh, for uh, the answers uh, that I need? Then we uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. This, again, talks about man's wisdom and God's wisdom. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Now, the natural person is a person who doesn't follow God. They have not been transformed by Jesus Christ. Um, They're an unbeliever. Okay, They're dead in their sins. So they don't accept the things of the Spirit of God. You talk to a person who isn't a Christian, and you tell them about Jesus Christ, they'll say, it's really silly that you're trusting in a guy that died 2,000 years ago and many other things they might say to you. For they are folly to him, right? Counterintuitive. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So as you talk with certain individuals about your faith, and sometimes even Christians about your faith, uh, it just seems like foolishness to them. How many have heard of Hillsong's music? Anybody ever heals on you? Yeah, it's, 
it looks like they're leaning toward accepting homosexuality. Yeah, I just read an article the other day. And again, we, we love you know, anybody who struggles uh, with any sin. But that's what you see today. You see churches, mainline churches, accepting it because it's a wave of the culture. And again, God's truth is lost because it seems like foolishness to them. What's the big deal? All these people have these desires, and yes, we love them, and we want the best for them, but the worst thing is that we adopt this as a culture. But again, you know, we're speaking for truth, and that's man's wisdom. Well, he's, uh, then, then it goes on to the spiritual person, verse 14. The spiritual person judges all things. Now, that's you and I, because we have the mind of Christ, and we are able to evaluate things in a different way because of this uh, new uh, mind and new nature that we have. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Now, what does that mean? Well, we can make, you know, people say, well, you shouldn't judge people. Well, yeah, I agree. The idea of judging people is looking down on somebody saying, you're doing that, and I'm better than you are. That's judging. If you're just making an observation in another Christian's life that hey, you're off the track, you're sinning, uh, uh, you just think that to yourself or you're a close friend, you mention it to him out of love, that's not judging. Uh, so the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, and I believe that refers to non-Christians, that he should be judged by no one, no Christ follower, uh, excuse me, no non-Christian. Uh, and it goes on, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And that really is the key thing we keep coming back to, right? Every week, every week we're talking about this. We're all asking, why, 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 why? For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But this is the part I love the most. But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that miraculous? that we have the mind of Christ. And I know if you've been a Christian for a long time, you don't think about this sometimes, but because of how God has transformed you and given you a new mind, a new nature, you're able to see things totally different than somebody who doesn't. And it's just it's by His grace, nothing special about you. But you're able to see things, and that's why you're able to read the Word of God and understand it, and it makes sense, and it rings true in your mind. So that's the most beautiful thing. Not only is God offering His wisdom, but we have the capacity to receive His wisdom as Christ followers. And friends, we have trunk or treat coming up. And... Uh, as I go through a message like this, I just realize how blessed I am to be a Christ follower. That I have the hope of heaven, that I can trust God with whatever is going on in my life. And as I've said, friends, this is an easy invite. You can go to your neighbors, your friends, and invite them out to a party. And that party could change their lives as they grow closer to Christ. So I just challenge you. This is the best opportunity I think we'll have this year. The winter, uh, excuse me, the Christmas gatherings is another great opportunity too, but in terms of volume, oh my, this is the best opportunity we have. So I want you to be praying about it this week. 
and I want you to be inviting people. We have to have more of an even, excuse me, evangelistic fervor here in our family. It's dropped, okay? Uh, we need to see more people coming to Jesus. We need to see more people baptism, baptized. Baptism doesn't say, but it's kind of an indicator that churches use to uh, follow conversions just because uh, they're linked together. So, uh, yeah, please take advantage of this opportunity. So your neighbor, your friend, will have the opportunity to be exposed to a church in a fun way where ultimately the Holy Spirit can lead them into a relationship with God where they, too, can trust in the wisdom of God. Don't you want that for other people? You see other people struggling in life? Don't you want to help them? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Uh, for all that you've done for us who are Christ followers, the minds that you've given us and your Holy Spirit that gives us these tremendous insights into your word. And I pray for myself, Lord. You know, I straddle the fence sometimes. Um, I pray you would help me just to continue to have faith that your way is the right way. And sometimes it seems counterintuitive. Help us not just to rationalize ourselves out of certain situations, but always help us to do what you say, because you love us. In Christ's name, amen.